and we are here with our good old buddy again, Mr. David Grove. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, you know, uh, getting back, things are getting back to normal after the hurricane, uh, so, you know, I'm doing alright. That's, that's the most important part, you know, how, how was that whole experience? It was, you know, very eerily reminiscent of Katrina, because, uh, same day, um, and my mother's birthday is the day after that, uh, so that's, it's, it's very, it was just, everything was the same. We evacuated to the same place, you know, the same kind of wondering if, for my mom especially, you know, if, if she was going to be able to go back home and how long it was going to be and stuff like that. So it's just, I mean, it is a difficult thing to deal with, but, um, I mean, I don't know if you ever get used to it, but you, you, you kind of, you kind of get used to it, you know what I mean? Like, just the, the whole process of, okay, right, we got to do this again. And packing quickly and just making sure your family's safe. Yep. David, you know, your boy James here. Um, um, before we get into any sports, last thing about about your situation with the hurricane. Is like, have you gotten any power? Um, are you, is everything okay? Are you able to go to work? Like, how, like, what's your situation? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, you know, I was evacuated for about um, five, six days total. Um, but I had to come straight back to work because, you know, when you're in radio, they were like, hey, radio station's open, you got work. So <laughs> it was just, uh, you know, I've been back at work since last week, last Thursday. And um, just it, it, took, it took a little bit to get back to normal, but uh, I think we're doing okay now. That's that's the most important part. Football team currently up 14-10 in the third quarter. But, but we're going to start things off with the New York Yankees, eleven and eight against the Baltimore Orioles. Guess what? That that's not good enough. If no. if you even go sixteen and three against the Orioles, because eighteen and one, no one expects that. What the Rays did is unnatural. But even sixteen and three, you're now talking sixty losses, eighty seven wins. You're now, you're now in second place in your division, and you're in the first place wild card lead by at least three or four plus games, and that's huge because not because then you would have the Blue Jays and Red Sox chasing each other, and then you can possibly set up your rotation just for the wild card game. Before before they played that day game against the Twins. I said the Yankees needed to go 16-3 and in the final 19. The three losses were coming from one against the Rays, one against the Jays, one against the Red Sox. With this brutal loss today, as the Giants kick a field goal down by one, they now cannot have three more losses. And I don't know if that's realistic. So honestly, if the Yankees miss out on the wild card by a half game, and this was the game to do it, that's not good enough. David, what's your thoughts on the Yankees? Well, I mean, if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, everybody's getting by. <laughs> Cashman's relationship with the Steinbrenner is already bad. Um, you know, you've gone this period where each of the last three years you expected to at least make it to the World Series. They didn't do that. Uh, and I think you start looking at 
can we afford to keep this group together anymore uh, because of what they can't do? Um, you know, can you if you can't count on Stanton to play 140 games a year, if you can't count on Judge to play 140 games a year, then what do you do to start supplementing that? What do you do about your problems, you know, that you had with guys who everybody seemed to fall off from last year in major ways, either by injury or just production. So, I mean, it's, they've tried with this group. Um, I still don't, I've never really gotten the fact that they have not gone after some better pitching. Um, and I don't know why the, you know, as good as the bullpen's been this year, you know, you, you still got to do something with Chapman now because he can't close. Um, so I think the Yankees, unless they get hot and make a run, a real run, you got to at least get to the ALCS again. If they don't do that, then I think um, everybody's going to give. There's going to be a firing of at least uh, Boone, and then from there you're going to start seeing some trades. I think this offseason. firing Boone wouldn't accomplish anything. I think no, what it you're doing is you don't have the players. It's not just that, Dave. I mean, yes, you don't have the players, obviously, but it's not just that. I mean, if you're going to fire Boone, you're you listen. You're not bringing a Buck Showalter. You're not bringing a guy like a Joe Girardi. You're going to bring in some like a Carlos Mendoza. Or someone like an Aaron Boone that's going to come in because Cashman basically ain't going anywhere. If you want real change, you got to go from the top. You got to Cashman on shaky ground. I I think Cashman's on shaky ground. I, I don't know if they love him like they used to. Well, if they well if 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 you get rid of Cashman, you get rid of Zoom, you make wholesale change, you get rid of the heading coach, the pitching coach, all of that. Who are you looking to replace as general manager and manager? I mean, obviously, I'm looking for organizations that know how to, to, to start stocking talent. That's where I'm looking. So I'm going to places like Toronto and seeing um, their executives and, and who they who I may be able to get. Because, I mean, a lot of times when you get these general manager jobs, there's people who you think should have them, but the real brains is somewhere else in that front office. So, I mean, the, the Yankees need to do a real vetting process, and they haven't had to do that in a long time because mostly they've stayed within the building. Uh, I think it's time to go outside of the Bronx and go look for people around the big leagues who know how to, again, you know, restock your system. The, the Yankees are always at their best when they have a good number of their own players um, across the roster and that they have a, a, a you supplement that with those free agents on the outside. I think the Yankees have concentrated so much in the last years of going after names, and that was never the core of their best teams. You had some names. You had some superstars. But the majority of the guys around that group are ball players, and that's what the Yankees. I really just don't think have enough of. You gotta identify people who love to play baseball, who love to go out there and grind, and who are gonna be consistent for you. The problem is never the Yankees' feeling; it's always the floor. And when they drop down to their floor, their floor is way lower than it should be. And that's what you talk about with those losses to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. The fact that they can never get over the Rays up year after year after year. The Rays dominate the Yankees. And it's because when you look at the Rays, what do you have? You have grinders, man. Those are ball players. Every day. You look at the Blue Jays. They look like they want to be there. You know, you don't run off 19 out of 21 unless you really are, in, you know, locked in. And the Yankees just don't play that way. They don't play with any type of of joy or aggression or passion. It's, it's a very, like, it, it's a passion comes from hitting home runs, and that's just not enough, man. Yeah, you know, 
everybody's on the Fire Tim's, Fire Boom, Fire Cashman. Unfortunately, Cashman's a GM next year because if they fire him, he he sits all the next year. His son his son's a senior in high school. He goes watch him play ball, and then the minute next year's World Series ends, he gets a job that week. The Yankees probably won't go after Theo. They're too dumb to go after one of the Rays guys. They're they're too dumb to go up against one of the Red Sox guys. They're too stupid. And unfortunately, you you can fire Boone, you're gonna get the same kind of manager. Fire anybody you want to, but guess what? What stays the same? The players. The problem never leaves. And seventy percent of this roster will be here next year. A, a, a couple players may go, a couple new players may here, but this is the rest of the problem. And every year at some point, every, every, every team is going to have a taxing bullpen. But the way the Yankees use their bullpen year in and year out, they have this same problem every year. And if Chad Green can't pitch to eighth, if Chapman can't pitch ninth, you saw Clay Holmes today. He gave you a perfect eighth when he was fresh. But guess how that ninth was. And shame on Gary Sanchez for seeing how wild Clay Holmes was. You know what? The wild pitches were still on Holmes. But the fact that Gary Sanchez couldn't get extension on that third and final wild pitch blow to not catch that baseball. Now now I see why people blame Gary on that awful error by Gio Urshel against the Mets. You gotta do better than that. Gotta be able to hold Sanchez that baseball. Is, Sanchez has never shown a desire to be a great defensive catcher. You know, that I think that's, that's part, part of the problem, problem too. And and that's the thing with this team. It's not it's not a great defensive team. It's not a tremendously athletic team. I mean, look look at the teams around the bigs that are winning. They are far more versatile. And the types of lineups that they built than the Yankees are, you know. When you when you look at what the Jays have, they got not just power at every position, but they got guys who can run. You know, they got guys who field well. Um, and when they don't feel well, their the pitching has been consistent enough. Uh, and then you look at you know look at the Giants. Look at the Giants. I mean, that's a complete ball team. And the teams that are doing the best are the teams that are versatile, that have guys who can do multiple things. Yankees got a lot of the same guys. You know, swing from your heels, hope it fucking goes to the upper deck, and then, it, you know, it's either, I mean, how many games have you seen this year where Yankees scored seven runs, four of them on home run? Yankees scored eight runs, you know, six of them off a home run. You can't win that way, especially not in the playoffs. And last year was an anomaly where everybody was hitting everything out of the park during the playoffs. That's not normal. It's, you know, there's a lot of strikeouts in the playoffs. you got to be able to work a few innings. You gotta be able to drag out and, and, and get into the bullpen, which is what the Yankees used to be so good at. And uh, you just don't see them manufacturing six or seven hit innings, you know, on, you know and, and getting real rallies. Um, it's it's just wait for uh, the bomb, and it's just it's it's a, it's it's not going to work. You're never go, you're not going to be better than the White Sox. You're not going to be better than the the uh, Astros. You're not going to be better than the Blue Jays or the Rays. I mean, you can compete with the Red Sox. The Red Sox got holes in their team, too. But the, the other teams that are at the top of the American League, the Yankees are not as versatile as. They're not as complete as. I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. And 
if the Yankees don't start getting more versatile in that lineup, that's where you need to start replacing the guy on charge because the guy who gets the talent is the one that makes the team. Now, let's switch gears to the NFL. Obviously, you know, the Giants are trailing from 14 to 13. Um, which which team stood out to you in week one, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Which, which team stood out to you in week one and going into week two of the NFL football season? Well, of course, locally, yeah, I got to start with the Saints. I mean, nobody, nobody would have predicted 38-3. Um, over the Packers, especially not playing in the Superdome, uh, playing that game in Jacksonville, um, you would have expected that it would have been at, at the very least. A, 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 I don't think anybody locally, you know, outside of diehard Saints fans, were picking the Saints to win. Um, you were just hoping that it would be close. But when you get Jameis Winston throwing five touchdown passes and looking mature in the pocket, running. We haven't even really seen Jameis run. He runs for 37 yards, picks up first downs, converts two fourth downs, uh, and, and makes some of his best decisions with balls eight threw away. I mean, it was just it was a fantastic performance by the defense as well. It made their Aaron Rodgers look like he didn't want to be there. And that's just not something I would have expected going into that game. I think the other teams that were really impressive um, during week one, I don't know how you can't be impressed with what Seattle did in Indianapolis. Um, again, the deep ball is back there for Seattle. The defense looks better than it did a season ago. Um, I'm really impressed with Dak Prescott, but they can't win that way. Uh, you know, Dallas in their last six games with Dak, he's averaging almost 50 throws a game, and they're two and four in those six games. So they can't win that way. You could, I, I was surprised that he was as healthy as he was and how, how well he was able to play. But I don't think that's a, a winning uh, formula for Dallas down uh, in the long run because that defense is still bad. And Zeke Elliott still hasn't had a, a really good game in quite some time. Um, I think another team that, that was kind of surprising in week one was um, Cincinnati. Uh, I thought Cincinnati looked good uh, and a little more effective than I thought they were. They protected Joe Burrow when they couldn't do that last year. So those are a lot of the teams, uh, you know, some of the teams that I was really um, interested in looking at. The The NFC is very weird this year. I don't think there are a lot of good teams now that we look at it, the more we think about it. Um, the disappointment is that, I mean, three out of four teams in NFC East long, um, you know, two out of four, uh, um, you, get, you get a solid weekend, out, I guess, out of the NFC South, um, but the NFC North looks bad with the Packers, the Vikings, uh, and uh, the Bears all looking very bad, the Lions looking bad. So, I mean, that's a horrible division, too. And then what do you get out of the, the West is where it's probably the best division out of the group with um, San Francisco, Seattle, and um, Arizona and the Rams. But that's where the, the, the NFC is. I mean, the Rams looked impressive. Matthew Stafford looked really good. Um, but I always knew he had talent. It's just now they've given him a team where he doesn't have to be the guy. There's so many guys on that team. So, I mean, I think the NFC overall looked very good. I was not impressed by the Chiefs. I thought that they, you know, yeah, they come back and win, um, but they shouldn't get themselves in those positions. And it seems like they do that a lot. Oh, you know, have you noticed that in the last two years that they've gotten themselves into these deficits and had to come back? That's the reason they couldn't beat Tampa is because you can't run and you can't um, get it. If you're always playing from behind, that works against mediocre teams. It won't work against elite teams. Even even with that big playoff loss, like playoff winning against the Texans, they're down 24 nothing. Guess what? 
if you're down twenty four nothing against the Patriots, the the Bucks, the Bills, any other good team, you're not winning that game. And the Chiefs, they seem comfortable, but they're doing it against the teams that suck. This is why I'm sorry. As even though I do not like Mahomes because people overhype him, that is why I'm not impressed. Because if you're a really good quarterback, you're not gonna let your offense start that slowly. And and a lot of people say this about their about the Yankees. They downplay their competition and that custom. You know what? Maybe the Chiefs do that. Maybe Kelsey and Mahomes and the offense can't get going until they're facing adversity. But guess what? You keep doing that enough times, you're going to lose. And then eventually, even the bad teams, they're going to say, guess what? We're up 21 against Chiefs. We're not going to let you come back. We're, we're going to keep time of possession. We're going to run that ball. And we're not going to let you. And I, I just want to say thank you and all the Saints fans and thank the Saints for kicking the ass. For kicking the ass at Aaron Rodgers. Where he only goes 15 to 28, 103 yards, not a touchdown, and two interceptions. I think that's beautiful. I think it's great. And it goes to show you too, how coincidental does he have a game like that on his last year that he wants to be in Green Bay. If, if he's playing like he doesn't want to be here, we're going to see plenty more games like that. And I and I just got to say, that's great. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I just don't think that, you know, Rodgers and that team are, are going to be in sync. You have, like, this little group of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers who already decided they're not coming back next year no matter what. And we've seen this happen before. You know, remember when Tiki Barber decided in the middle of the season that he was going to retire from the Giants. Um, and it's like, why are you telling people this now? Why are you telling people I'm not coming back? Because it does affect the way the team looks at everybody. You can't be my leader if you're saying you're leaving. True. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't respect you the same way. And that's not to say Aaron Rodgers is not a great player. We know he's a great player. He's an MVP. He's, you know, he's, he's like 4-1 to one in his career for interceptions and touchdowns. It's just he's, he's as good as you're going to find. But at some point, yeah, we all wear out our welcome, and I think, you know, if Aaron Dunn won't be there, then I, I think that they should have gotten rid of him because I think it's going to stink the Packers either way. And if you're you're trying, you can't play it like you said. They're trying to they're trying to have it both ways. You're trying to make a run with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is trying to say, "Well, I can do this by myself, basically." But there are too many interests involved here, and nobody is working for the one goal of going to the Super Bowl. So I. I I can't see the Packers having a great season. They'll probably win that division by default. But I, I just don't see them having a great year. Um, I want to talk about some of the rookie quarterbacks that played. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, um, Mac Jones. Um, I personally, even though in the loss, um, I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence because he's going to get killed. I am very impressed with Zach Wilson. I, I, I like, like the kid's moxie. I think there's something in him. But I'm really more impressed with Mac Jones. The man makes all the throws. He looks like he has a command of the offense. He's the reason why Cannon's released. So, Al, those rookie quarterbacks, um, rank them from, like, you know, from Justin Fields, um, from Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, 
um, the big four, um, those four, where would you rank these these rookie quarterbacks of like who would have, oh sorry, and Trey Lance, which of these five quarterbacks do you see having the most successful career and which quarterback do you see kind of playing out? Well, I mean, the odds would say that three of these are going to be, well, at least two of them are going to wash out. One of them would be okay, and two of them would be good. Let's say that. I mean, I would just that would be just be my uh, just your your usual lot of five quarterbacks in the first round. You know, that's what we typically seen is that somebody's okay. Um, I think the best situation for anybody is Trey Lance. Um, to have that situation in San Francisco where everything is in place for you. You have one of the best tight ends in football. You have a solid defense. You have a really good running game. You have um, two outstanding receivers in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Everything's built for him. Um, and then he gets in the game and, and he made a couple of nice plays. Um, so they already started to use him. But because he's not the starter, I can't put him one, but I think he's in the best overall situation of all these quarterbacks. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to are extremely high on Zach Wilson. Uh, it's just, you're with the Jets. And that's the thing you always have to say. It, 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 that's always the caveat. Is the Jets have had talented quarterbacks come through that building before, but there hasn't been somebody who had any kind of real sustained success since Mark Sanchez. I mean, not Mark I don't even want to say Mark Sanchez, but Chad Pennington. Because Sanchez was kind of just re- re- living off that defense. But, I mean, Pennington was at least a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Not a great one, but a, a, a gave you that. Jets haven't had that since. And between Pennington and, what, Testaverde? And then before Testaverde, you have to go back to Ken O'Brien. So, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's hard to bet on the Jets as far as their consistency and their ability to develop anybody. So, as much as I like Zach Wilson, I, I probably have to put it third that he's going to have to overcome his organization. And that's the same question that I had last year um, for Joe Burrow. Is like, yeah, Joe Burrow, I think he's going to be great. But I, you're a Bengal still. And how much of that can you overcome? How much is that going to hold you back over the course of your career? Um, you know, I think the field is just, I don't understand what's going on in Chicago. I don't get it. He should be starting. It's Andy Dalton. There's no reason Andy Dalton should be starting in the NFL anywhere. And you're the Bears. I understand you're trying to keep your coach's job. But you've been in a playoff two of the last three years. You couldn't score points. You're not going to score points with Andy Dalton. You drafted this guy in the first round. You should be playing him. It doesn't make any sense. Trevor Lawrence, um, I have never been a Trevor Lawrence guy. I've I've never been a Trevor Lawrence fan. And I know everybody says he can make all the throws and he's the best prospect since whatever. But there's something I just don't find – compelling about him. I look at the games. You know, he won the national championship as a freshman. Then the other games that he was eliminated, and they got their asses whooped. Clemson got their asses whooped in the other three games that they are eliminated, whether it was a final or the semifinal. He didn't win big games. He didn't have to play in a bunch of big games because the ACC is weak. So I don't really know if I believe in Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I, I would put him probably... Out of my out of that group, I put him fourth. I put him fourth because I just don't. I don't. And again, I look at that organization. I don't think Urban Meyer's going to be there very long. I don't think he's going to be there very long. Either he's going to burn himself out, or he's going to get fired um, because I think he doesn't understand the NFL system, the way the NFL works. I mean, his team's already starting to turn on him for what you hear. The coaching staff is turning on him. So I mean, I, I, I'm I'm just not high on him in that situation. Um, who am I missing? Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac. Mac I, yeah, Mac. I put him. I put him um, first. Then 
Um, I would put him first because, again, I think New England did a fantastic job of rebuilding around that offense. Um, they had a lot of pieces missing last year. Um, he's going to get all of the security that you could possibly have. You have a coach who's not going anywhere unless he wants to. You have an organization that's known for stability. You have a, an offensive system that's quarterback-friendly. Um, and he's played in big games and under pressure, and there's not going to be many people who are more like Nick Saban that he's going to come across than Bill Belichick. So I think it just it's a perfect situation for Mac Jones. Um, even when Belichick's gone, uh, I think that he'll have enough influence and that this team will be developed um, enough for him to have the best situation, uh, the overall best career potentially out of this group. I think Wilson is likely the most talented. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I think Lance has the best situation. Um, but I think um, Matt Jones is, is really set up too. I think he's going to have a good, really big game this weekend. Why, after you saying what you just said about Mac, why do you say Trey Lance has a better situation over Mac Jones? Because of what he can win right now. Like, if you put in Trey Lance today, San Francisco is still a Super Bowl championship caliber team. I don't know if New England ain't that yet this year. Thank but you. I think you can, you can win a Super Bowl where Trey Lance is your starting quarterback right now. I have been saying this about Trey Lance. I've been saying this. Now, let me, I want to talk about the more surprise. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, um, what's going on with them? It seems like everyone is on the IL. What's the outlook look up for the Ravens if they just continue just being decapitated by injuries? It's more than the injuries. The, the defense is not as good as it's been in the past. Um, I think the front four is, is, is not as good. I mean, their linebackers, Patrick Queen is amazing. He's amazing. He's going to be – he's perfect in that lineage of, of, of Ravens linebackers. Um, but I don't think overall that defense is as good as it's been in the past. Um, I still don't think that they are very creative offensively. Uh, they don't really do anything that's uh, complex. They don't give you different looks. Uh, and I think that that holds Lamar Jackson back. I think he's forced to do way too much because they don't – give him enough options as a passer. They don't create enough routes to give give his receivers uh, you know, chances to make plays. Uh, so I don't really understand the, what the Ravens have been thinking each of the last two seasons. They're, they seem to be going backwards now, and I don't think that's because of Lamar. I think it may be time. Again, every coach has his, has his run, and Harbaugh may have peaked there. Um, if at the very least they need a new offensive uh, mind in that building because it's just not working. Now, now another thing, James. James knows where I'm going with this. He is too high on this coach. I don't. I don't understand it. But with everything the 49ers have, do you really trust Kyle Shanahan when it comes to making the decision? Because he's shown that in Super Bowls, he just doesn't do what needs to be done. Kyle's biggest problem has always been that Kyle is, thinks he's smart. It's too smart, you know. Is that that's what happens to certain coaches? I've seen it sometimes. You know, I think Mike March is one of those coaches who did that a lot. Outsmarted himself. Should have won champion, won Super Bowls, right? Should have yeah. won a Super Bowl. Mike March didn't even win one as a head coach. He should have at least won a Super Bowl, but he was trying to outsmart himself all the time. 
you know, trying to show that he was the the, the, the coolest play call in the room. I think that bit on the Rams in the ass last year uh, at times. So I don't know how much, if, if I have a lot of faith, because, yeah, you remember the last time they were in the Super Bowl? He turns the game over to Jimmy Garoppolo. You've been beating the Chiefs up on the ground, and then you say, I'm going to let Jimmy Garoppolo throw a bunch of passes in the second half. You hadn't had Jimmy Garoppolo throw more than 15 passes in the playoffs in either one of those first two games to get you to the Super Bowl. Why would you all of a sudden think 30 pass attempts was a good idea for him? You know, it was like he was trying to show Andy Reid that he could throw the ball too, and it cost them. If they stick to what they do, which is beat the shit out of people physically, and then take advantage of, of them deep when they get those one-on-one opportunities or when you get some play action going. And they can beat. There's nobody who's, you know, who, who they can't play a game with. They might not win every time, but they're going to be there with any team in the NFL if they stick to those things. It's just if Shanahan starts getting to that point where it's like, I want to run the annexation of Puerto Rico, it ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's probably um, his um, biggest downfall, and I, I, I truly, I truly, um, I truly believe in Kyle Shanahan. Um, now I want um, now let let let's flip to the um, the the other guy. Um, Tom Brady had another Tom Brady game. Um, at this point in his career, how long can Brady keep doing what he's doing, especially at his age of forty four? I mean, I think we're I think we're really overselling the Tom Brady thing right now. He was not. Hey, let's go back to the Super Bowl. Did he win that game for for, for Tampa, or did the defense win that game? Defense. Thank you. Look at his three games in the playoffs last year. Did he look particularly good in the Washington game? No. Nah. Did he look particularly good against the Saints? No. No. Did he look particularly good in the NFC Championship game? No. Nope. Do it look good to Super Bowl? No. So you take this game against a, a bad team in the Cowboys. You still threw two picks. I, you know, you, you got great receivers around you. Great. Antonio Brown looks like he went back in time. But, yeah, Tom Brady can do this. It's, it's, it's getting to the point where you're going you're gonna to look at this a lot like you would look at the end of the careers of Peyton Manning and Drew Brees is Peyton had to ride a defense to the championship, and that's what it felt like, um, except his arm was, isn't dead. Um, Tom Brady can still throw the football, but, you know, he rode a defense to a championship. They are stacked again this year, but you know how hard it is in the NFL to win back-to-back. Tom Brady's only done it once himself. So you, when you look at it that way, I don't. I, I mean, I think he can perform. Sure, the way the league is set up, he can, he can stand up there and he'll get numbers. But where we always find out with older quarterbacks is in the postseason. That's where Drew Brees failed. That's where Peyton Manning started to fall apart. That's where Aaron Rodgers has come up short the last few years. In the postseason, the older quarterbacks, we just know by average Tom Brady is an anomaly. Um, but it's just at some point it ends. And uh, I, I just don't know if Tampa – Tampa felt like they were kind of feeling themselves at times. Like they think that they've arrived. And I don't know if, 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 if I would be that way if I was Tampa. That's not their history. Okay, so Tom Brady had very good first halves in week one against the football team in the playoffs and against the Packers in the title game. Does 
is his defense so good? Yes. Now, I truly believe, and if you put Jameis Winston on that same Bucks team, not only does Gronk and like three or four of the players that played for the Bucks last year, if you take away Brady, they also go away. So, so you also don't have that, which were pretty huge. A couple key defensive players too. Um, Jameis Winston is not taking the Bucks to the Super Bowl last year. I don't even think Aaron Rodgers takes the Bucks to the Super Bowl last year. Now, even look at Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, now, now, now this is where the defense comes in. But Tom Brady gave Aaron Rodgers two back-to-back opportunities. He said, hey, listen, I've won enough of these Super Bowls. I'm trying to get you to the Super Bowl, guy. I'm trying. Aaron Rodgers did diddly shit. He didn't do nothing. He couldn't even trust his legs. Which, if he doesn't burden him for that touchdown, he probably gets the first and goal. His own coach trusted his field goal kicker over Aaron Rodgers against the Saints. Now, Jameis Winston did throw a touchdown. Drew, Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball downfield. It is, it is what it is. Just today in a press conference, someone asked him, do you think it's possible if he can play to his 50? Now, I don't think he's going to play till he's 50. I I think after this year, two years max. I I, I, I think that's going to be his end. Because at some point, let's say he wins one more. There's going to come a point where the only way he might retire is if he gets a serious injury. So let's say he plays three more years, wins another Super Bowl. He's going to get to a point where, okay, how much more do I have to win? How much more stats do I pile? So at some point, it's it's going to get extremely boring for him because he's he's literally done it all. the The only thing he 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 can try to do is which he can't do, and that's take those Super Bowl losses away. He can't do that. So that's the only thing left he has to prove right now. It's stat padding. It's stat padding and just trying to prove, hey, Father Time can't touch me. I'm beating him. Father time should have took me four years ago, and I just want to prove my head is wrong. Again, quarterbacks can't get touched. They can't get breathed on. If Tom Brady gets stared at the wrong way, it's it's neutral zone infraction. If if Tom Brady gets breathed on the wrong way, it's it's pass interference. Is that right? No. And another thing I'm curious on Bucks games now, if you watched the end of week one's press conference, you heard Chris Godwin. And that's a mistake of him. And I'm sure Bucks PR Scott told him on that. You heard him say, I knew they wasn't going to call offensive pass interference. Yeah. Refs rarely call offensive pass interference. So now, if I'm the NFL UPA, and, and I'm saying, hey, look, you know what? Look at Chris Godwin from now on. And I think he's going to get start to call. And, and, and also, another reason why he could go too his brain. He still goes through the progressions very quickly. He knows what it takes. He still does the same thing. He's not willing to make the turnover. One of those picks week one was not on him. It was not on him. It was on the back. The back had, the back couldn't catch the football. The second interception, it's a hell mirror. It's a hell mirror for the end zone. What that's on him, but that's when you throw a hell mirror like that, it's either an interception or a touchdown, or it's batted away. It's 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 no in between. 
That's that's exactly what it is. So but I mean, we saw them when they lost last year. When they lost last year, is because Brady would turn it over, and teams were taking away. They were forcing him to throw outside the hatch. Yeah, and that's where you have to get Brady is to make him throw to the far sides of the field. Because yeah, I mean he. That's why he loves that underneath crap all the time is because it's easy to complete, and you let these guys like Antonio Brown, like when you had Wells Walker or. Oh, all these guys who can, you know, give you they give you cheap yards over and over again. It keeps your completion percentage up around 68% and moves the chain. He loves those. You have to take those away and make him put some mustard on it. Because when he goes outside, that's when last year the Saints were able to dominate the Bucks. That's when they come, they've had their trouble against teams. Is when, they, when you make Brady, and it's always been the same for Brady. Of if course. you make that pressure come from the front, it's not the side pressure that gets him because he's able to step up really well. You know, he's always had that yeah. great feeling of that. It's the front. He does not like you coming right at him up the middle. And that's where that's where the Giants used to kill him, you know, in the, in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. The Giants yeah. had to push up the middle that gave enough time for the guys on the edge to get there. And if you can't get that push in the middle, that's what, yeah, it, it, that's what gives Tom Brady time. He wants that. He wants because he knows if you come just at the edges, that's where he wants to throw where you just left. That's where he's throwing the ball anyway because he's got that Antonio Brown coming off on a short curl right there. He's got another guy, that was Scotty, uh, what was it, Scotty, whatever, coming off on the other side. That's what he wants. So if, you, you, if you're you going to get him, you got to get him up the middle because he's letting that ball go in, what, 2.4 seconds? Yeah. So you got to come up that middle and make him step backwards. You can't let him step sideways or forward. you got to make him step backwards. Also, too, gotta, gotta get out of the pocket. And I'm telling you, if I was a defensive coach for the NFL, I, I think I'd never lose against Brady because even, even from last year, even, even if it's not the same playbook from New England, Bruce Arians is smart enough. He knows. Let me make Tom Brady comfortable. They're doing the exact same thing they did in New England. Short throws, get yards. Now, now with the receivers he has, he's throwing a little more deep ball, just just like he did in two thousand and seven with Moss. But if you take away the short throws and keep them out of the pocket and make them throw outside the pocket, that's how you're going to beat the Bucks. That's how you're going to beat Tom Brady. Also, keep Tom Brady on the sidelines. For for fourteen to eighteen minutes a game, you do that, you're beating the Bucks. I don't. There was there was one particular defensive coach. I forget the name right now. It might have been Schottenheimer. I'm not sure, but he was. He, it's all also the Giants coach too. He 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 was a good defensively against Brady, but there's. there's oh, Tom Spagnola, Spagnola. There you go, Spagnola, and then and then. There was there was one other really good defensive coach. I'm not sure if he's one now. But I mean, let's look. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the teams who Brady is who Brady struggled against in his court over the course of his career. You take the Giants, like you say, you take the Giants. Offensively, what did they do? They they shorten the game, right? You shorten the game. You, you, they took the air out of the football. You throw it when you got to, but you you convert first downs. You make you you can have an eight play drive that ends in a punt. But you stole three or four minutes off the clock, and that's what you have to do. You can't if you give Tom Brady as many possessions as Dallas did. That's what's going to happen to you. 
You can't get in a shootout with Tom Brady. You're, he wants that. Let me throw more passes. Thank you. Dallas could not make the game shorter. That was their problem because they couldn't run. Zeke Elliott was getting nothing. They didn't try to run after a certain point, and they just kept flinging it and flinging it. You can't beat Tampa that way. You can't do it because Brady will out-throw your guy most times. Uh, because there are, you know, again, the NFL, the, the, the strata from great to mediocre to bad in the NFL is very definite for quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. And Brady is still, he's still so much better than most. That he, and the, like you said, the way the rules benefit him and allow him to not get touched so often. Yeah, unless there's an injury um, to him, then the, the thing you have to do to stop him is you got to take the, ball, the air out of the ball. You have to control the clock. And like you said, you got to get him to throw to the edges and move side to side or backwards. You can't let him step up in the pocket and make quick throws. You cannot do that. You can't let him. You have to switch looks on Brady. And that's another thing the Giants were great at was changing where the pressure was going to come from. You did, you had a bunch of guys with similar body builds on that defensive line who could play inside and outside. And that's why the Saints and their defensively did a good job against Brady in both of those games. Because the Saints, again, out of their front four, they get a lot of pressure. Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, they were getting pressure out of that front four without blitzing. And that's, those are the teams that have always given Brady trouble. If you have to blitz to get him, you ain't going to get him. But if you can get pressure with your front four, like you said, take away those cheap throws, then he has problems. All right. Hold yeah. on real quick, James. And this is from Bleacher, Bleacher Report. The five defensive coordinators who had the most success – Against Tom Brady. And five is the name I was talking about. Dick LeBeau. He, he was from the Steelers. At four is Rob Ryan. Three is Spags. Two is Larry Coyer of the Colts. And one is between Rex Ryan and Mike Pettin. I mean, Rex did have a lot of success. And what is, again, what were the Jets? When they blitzed? They had linebackers who were active who could, who could drop back, and you had a defensive interior that just had a really good defensive tackle set. You know what I mean? So look at those teams. Dick LeBeau, again, you're running a 3-4, which is an unusual look in the NFL anyway. Most people don't see the 3-4. And he, with the way that they would zone blitz, you're going to get blitzes from different places. And he had great secondaries. You know, those are the teams you can, he can afford to be aggressive up front because you have guys on the outside like Ike Taylor or um, Ryan Clark, and you had, you, you had a, or Troy Palomalu. You had guys who could make plays all over the field. But Baltimore was the same when you had Ed Reed back there, and you had that front four with the Ravens that could get pressure from everywhere, and they didn't have to blitz linebackers against the, the Patriots. That's the key. If you're going to build a team to beat Tom Brady, you better have a good defensive line. And you better have a, a, a defensive coordinator who knows how to mask his coverages. And then honorable mentions were Perry Fuel of the Giants, Dom Capers, and Greg Williams. And what did Dom Capers? Dom Capers and um, Dick LeBeau's same family tree. Perry Fuel, Steve Spagnuolo, same family tree. You know, like you see a lot of these guys come from the same type of defensive mindset. Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan. That whole, a lot of those groups, where they all come from, they, they've been on similar staff, similar style teams. It's a defensive first mindset, run the ball, 
that's how you have to be great. That's why Peyton Manning did not have success against the Patriots. It's the, that's the reason. is because he would abandon the run and Peyton thought he could outsmart the Patriots. He ain't going to outsmart the Patriots. He ain't going to outsmart Tom Brady. You got to beat him physically. That's what you have to do. You have to beat whatever team he's on physically because we've seen time and time again the only guy that I've seen consistently who will take that ass whooping when they play along Brady on offense is Gronk. Because Gronk is just not made like regular people. And, and, and I have I have one last question, and, and this goes for both of you, because it's coming up, and it's going to be the most anticipated football game we've seen in a while. Week four, Bucks Patriots. He'll he'll say it's just another week as soon as week three ends, but you know we all know Bill Belichick really wants this game, so. How do you think Bill Belichick will design the way to beat Tom Brady that night? I think he's going he's gonna to do exactly what we just talked about. He knows what, what makes Tom uncomfortable. You know, he's seen everything that Tom can possibly do. There's no, there's no newness there for him. Now, it's, the question will be, can that defense um, put that game plan together and can the offense score enough points? Um, I think you're going to have to score at least 24 to 27 points to win that game. And I think we'll have a better idea over the next two weeks what kind of offense the Patriots really have. And that Jones only has one start under his belt. So for a kid making his fourth start, I don't think we want to make that game too much of a referendum on anybody. I know Belichick wants to win it, but you also know Belichick's thing is, I'm playing for something bigger than this one week. He's not going to sell out for the week if he feels like, you know, if it's going to distract his team. Uh, and so I think he wants his team to do what he wants them to do. And if they do that and lose, he'll be better with that, thinking about winning the AFC, which is what he wants to do, than worrying about that one loss. Now, everybody else will talk about it, and in behind closed doors, he'll be pissed about it. But ultimately, you know how he is. His goals are on to, you know, on to Cleveland, right. on to this. He's not going to think about it the minute that clock runs out. And all season, he might be thinking about it. But once the game, the clock is over, win or lose, you won't see any emotion out of it. Um, I truly think, though, that um, I truly think, though, that um, this is going to be a very interesting game. Um, what do you What do you think? Um, like, who do you think most like needs this game more? Is it? And then to answer um, Nick's question. I truly think that you're talking about the ultimate chess match, right? You're talking, you're, you're talking about, um, you're talking about Bill, who the defensive wizard. You talk about Tom Brady, the ultimate goal, the the million dollar question, like who made who, and I truly think that both made each other. I do think the coaching does take credibility, um, which, which, and I do think that it's going to be a matchup where I, I truly, I truly would like Bill to win because it goes to my point that. The, the coaching has everything to do with how the quarterback is. Coaching matters in the NFL, unlike all unlike all the other sports. Um, between between bas- basketball, baseball, and hockey, I do think that um, coaching truly does matter. So my question to you is, uh, and that's answering Nick's question, so I think that's an interesting chess match. But to flip it to a different question, like who needs this matchup more? Is it Brady or is it Bill? I think personally, Brady needs it more. He wants it. 
Like, this is what drives Tom Brady, is validation and beating people who think that he couldn't do stuff. That's his drive. Um, so he has all these, he's very Michael Jordan-ish in that way of looking for these petty ways. And I'm, I'm only using petty because that, you know, sometimes that's what it takes for people to be motivated is these little nitpicky things. And I think he wants to show, no, you see, I'm not too old. He knows, uh, you know, he's going to be able to, he's, he's, he's the king because he's the quarterback. It's always going to be that way. And uh, I remember when Joe Montana played against the 49ers after he left and he beat them you know, wearing a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. I don't, it didn't mean anything ultimately because, you know, Montana didn't win a Super Bowl, but for Joe that day, that was his win. And the, the players knew that that was his win. And I think that's what guys are going to go out and they're going to play for Tom in that regard. The rest of those guys, are patients, most of them didn't play with him now. You know, a lot of those, they've turned that roster over. Yeah. Most of those guys don't know Tom Brady um, in that way. So I think that their their thing is about you know these are young guys who want to get better that they want to contend in that division you want you you already got a gift in Buffalo blowing it in week one uh, so you know if you're the Patriots your goal is let's try to win our division and, and do those things Brady's got that personal stuff going on Belichick what does he go what does he have to prove like that's the thing if people want to talk about well he got to show he can win without break did anybody ask Bill Walsh to win anything without Joe Montana. No. Did anybody ask Chuck Noll to win anything without Terry Bradshaw? No. So why are we asking Bill Belichick to win a Super Bowl again after he's won six of them and for him to stand out there and been to as many as he's been to? What does the man have to do? There's nothing he has to prove. He's already going to go down as one of the three or four greatest coaches in the history of football. So what? what there's no gain for him in this. His goals are all bigger. It's, if it's not a Super Bowl, it's nothing. A regular season game means nothing to Bill Belichick. I'll, I'll say this. Neither has anything to prove with anybody. You're right, though. Brady is like Jordan where he he looks for things and he hears things, sees what people say about him, and that's what makes him grow. All I, I think we can all agree all players do that, especially the higher the skill level. But Tom Brady did win a Super Bowl without Bill. So, yeah, but he didn't take it. was all over, though. He went to a team that had a lot. Okay, the stuff that he brought with him, the couple guys he got with him, that's that's fine and dandy. But it wasn't like he went over and took over a bad team and took them to a place that they had never. That was a seven and nine team with Jameis throwing thirty three picks. A seven and nine team. So they were, and in those those nine losses, there were four where they lost by a single score. So you had a team that was a, basically, a, let's say, we could give them two wins. They were a 9-7 and seven team if they split those four. That's not a bad team he took over. He took over a team that was primed to do what he did. And that, that's great, just like Peyton Manning went to Denver, and Denver was primed to do what it did. That's fine, but I'm not going to say, Bill, Bill Belichick took a franchise in New England that was garbage for 50 oh, years. Of course. And made them into that. And you look at those Super Bowls, you can go back in those Super Bowls. The Brady, it wasn't like Brady was putting up big numbers. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like he was killing people in those Super Bowl games. His best passing game was the one against um, the the, uh, uh, the Panthers. And do you think that's going to go down as one of the all-time great teams that to play against in the Super Bowl? That Carolina Panthers team? No, it ain't. It's Jake DeLone was the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? He beat Jake DeLone. All right, 
right, so but I mean I think there there's definitely ways to punch holes in some of it's all Brady because those Patriots defenses had a lot to do. The Patriots defense is the one that shut down the greatest show on turf. That's Ty Law returning that interception for a touchdown. That put without any of those things the defense did, Brady doesn't get a chance to be a hero. You know what I'm saying? So that's it's Belichick, you can't separate the two. You know what I'm saying? You cannot say one is more responsible, but you can certainly say you don't do it. You know for certain. If Belichick ain't the coach and they just have Brady, it ain't happening in New England. I know that. Alright, 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 so So if if you don't put Brady on the Bucks last year and they keep Jameis Winston, are you saying the Bucks are still winning the Super Bowl? No, that's not what I, that, that's not a that's not a apples to apples comparison. What I'm saying is you, it's the team around Jameis Winston is still learning. We see that. There's a dude who is still maturing and learning and just now got eye surgery. You know what I mean? Just this past year. So Jameis went through what? Different offense coordinator every year of his career? So, I mean, we're talking about two different situations. Tom Brady is Tom Brady stepping into that. You see what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't, it's, it's the same thing with Denver when Peyton Manning goes over there. You upgraded severely from what you had before. Same talent, but you put Peyton Manning there. And even when Peyton wasn't great the second year, was pretty bad that second year, but he could still do enough things mentally to keep them in position to win football games. And I think that is different, that experience, having that knowledge of how to win. James doesn't have that yet. So I'm not going to compare James to Tom Brady, but if I had taken Tom Brady and I put him on the Seahawks last year, do I think the Seahawks will win the Super Bowl? No. No. If I put him on the Cardinals, will the Cardinals win the Super Bowl? No. So, I mean, I think you have to, everybody has to find the right situation. And Tom Brady found the right situation. So, what if you take Tom Brady out of those six Super Bowls and you put an average quarterback in that position because it's Belichick and it's the defense? Are you saying they still win all six of those Super Bowls? No. You still have to have an above average quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if you get to six of them. I mean, it, it, we're not questioning Tom Brady being great. But what I'm saying is all those things are, you cannot separate them. It's organic. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can't remove somebody's arm and say, well, can you still catch the same number of balls? But no, I only got one arm now. You know what I'm saying? You fundamentally have changed the ingredients. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's a big part of that is if you're having that discussion. No, you can't just take a replacement. In baseball, you couldn't do that. You can't take Barry Bonds out of the lineup and put a replacement-level player there and think you're going to have the same impact because it goes deeper than the numbers. It's about the way the other team perceives you. It's how they prepare. It's what you can do mentally. All those things are different than just putting in somebody with aggregate talent and saying that there, there aren't. There's a reason there aren't that many quarterbacks in the league right now who have a Super Bowl ring. There are a lot of good quarterbacks, but it's hard to win a Super Bowl. So, no, I don't think that Bill Belichick can take any quarterback and win with him. But he's also shown he's not going to fail with other quarterbacks who aren't Tom Brady. Because, you know, he did go 11-5 and with Matt Castle. And last yeah, year, but they didn't make the playoffs, though. I hate when people talk about that year. And, 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 and last thing on this before we get out of here. Where, as a Patriots fan, I want the Patriots to win as much Super Bowls as they can. But because Brady did show he 
even even though it was on a good team, he still showed he could win without Bill. So if if he can't get one without Brady at the quarterback position, that that should factor in some way. How? What coach? He's already done something that's unprecedented in the NFL. Nobody's run in a salary cap era has ever gone this long. Why would there be something that to take away? Why is that we have to have the conversation to take things because away? Because Brady was still the quarterback doing all that. What is that? But you, but you can say that. Let's say, I, if, if, yeah, the Steelers don't win four Super Bowls without Terry Bradshaw. But do I think Terry Bradshaw was the reason the Steelers won those four Super Bowls? No, because it takes the whole group. Football is such a yes. The quarterback is the most important position of all the sports. There's no more weighted position than the quarterback. But at the same time, Brady has to be put in position to do those things. We've seen a lot of teams that had great quarterbacks that never went anywhere. A lot and of can't you say Brady put his defense and kickers, he, he put Vinatieri in those positions to win those Super Bowls. He, he, was, he was money against the Falcons. He was... He was money against the the Seahawks in that we're fourth gonna, we're quarter. We're going to talk about the Falcons. Like, look at the teams that, of the Super Bowl teams that he's beaten. If you're going to are any of the teams that he's beaten, you look at the opposing quarterback. He has not beaten a single Hall of Famer except for Kurt Warner in a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson. And I know y'all gonna think you don't Eli, think he'll make the Hall of Fame? Oh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, he'll make the Hall of Fame. But that was that wasn't on that was certainly wasn't on Tom Brady winning that game. I don't know. He had, oh, he no, had a pretty no, impressive no, fourth no. quarter. You take away that oh, fourth that, quarter, they're not winning that game. But if, but if they're not even. But if you if Pete Carroll isn't a moron, they don't win that game. Well, so well, like, that's on Pete Carroll. That's not on me. I'm not. I'm saying that, but you, you're giving all the you're giving this way much more credit to Brady. It's like say, you, Joe Montana doesn't win those Super Bowls without Jerry Rice. Also, too, Just some say, you, say Matt Ryan might be a Hall of Famer. It's that that that's going on ESPN Matt, no. a lot. Ugh, he's not a Hall of Famer. Matt Ryan's not a Hall of Famer. Stop. He, Talk to the people Matt on ESPN. Outside of those games, look, he lost to Nick Foles, dude. He lost to Nick Foles. I mean, he put up he, a five hundred to five yards. What do you want from him? And still lost to Nick Foles. <laughs> All right, that's because he can catch a football and Tom Brady can. I mean, it is what it is. No, see, but that's the thing. You can't say when they when it's Phyllis, this guy did this or they couldn't do this and Tom did this. But that's either, true. That's why they win that game. game. Either it's a team game or it ain't. Either it's a team game or it ain't. And Brady, no quarterback. I don't think there's any quarterback where you can say I could put him. This is not basketball. In basketball, I could take Jordan and put Jordan on 20 different teams and they'll probably win. I could do that with LeBron. I put him on 20 different teams and they'll probably win. I can't do that with quarterbacks. Because you have, there's so much that has to be done. You have to make sure that you built a line that's particular for that quarterback. You get receivers that complement that quarterback. You have to have the defense on the other side. That's why runs for quarterbacks are typically four to five years because the other parts around them fall apart. So you have to give credit to the organization and to Bill and all these other people for keeping that stuff around him because it can't just be him. Because if you take those things away and you put him on these other teams, if you put Tom Brady in Jacksonville for his entire career, do you think Jacksonville has two Super Bowls? Maybe one. No. No. You think that 
organization would have done the drafting and hired the right coaches, and they've not shown that they've been able to do that ever, would bad organizations lose, good organizations win. And the Patriots were a bad organization, now they're a good one. The Jaguars have been a bad organization for a long time. If Tom Brady had showed up on that doorstep in the year that, they, that he came into the NFL, Daniel Jones stinks. I'm a Giants fan. He stinks. So what? And obviously Jason Garrett will probably be gone. So what quarterback should I keep an eye out in the college game that could make a a nice transition into the NFL? Hmm. I think this is a a good quarterback class. Um, that kid is at, at Ooh, Open, what a- Connor. <laughs> Connor. What's his last name? I'm, I'm losing. I, Matt Coral, that's it. Matt Coral at Ole Miss. I really like him. Um, I think that kid has a hell of a, a future ahead of him, and I think that they've put together an offense this year that's going to really help him out. Um, what's the kid at Cincinnati? I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't the quarterback know. at Cincinnati, he is very good. Um, I'm, I think, hold on, let me look him up real quick. Uh, the, I like him. Um, DTR from UCLA, I think he's a guy that could do, could develop in the NFL. He's going to need time. Uh, he's got a lot of those skills that you like to see. I like, as a small school guy, Levi Lewis out of, out of UL. Um, you know, he's 6'1", but able to run, able to throw. Uh, you know, on all the quarterback watch list this year, like wouldn't be a first round guy, but could be a guy that, that turns up as a, as a contributor. Desmond Ritter, that's his name at Cincinnati. Desmond Ritter. Um, the football team is, just scored a touchdown, so it's most likely going to be twenty-seven-six football team. A little over four minutes left. Can't get any better than this. <laughs> hire bad coaches. Hire. Draft back quarterback, and then Saquon can't have, can't stay healthy. So yeah. And and last thing too, free agents for the Yankees. Most of these guys will not be here next year. Corey Kluber gone. Andrew Heaney, get the fuck out of here. I never ever want to see you again. I would love to keep Anthony Rizzo, but unfortunately, I don't think the Yankees are going to do it. Cause even Cashman said. They targeted him just for this year. And th- and that's going to hurt because he was a g- great defensive player. And he's the, he's the first time we had this since Mark Teixeira. Jolie Rodriguez, I'm 50-50 on. I, I don't care if he goes, but I don't care if he stays. Aaron Boone, I'm for giving him one last season. It was Cashman's guy. If Cashman's going to stick around, I don't think you can fire Boone and keep Cashman. Adam Warren. I mean, they won't even bring him up to the minors. So I, I think he'll choose. He'll, he'll choose to leave. And Tyler Lyons. Well, who gives a fuck about Tyler Lyons? But do you realistically think, with and, and this is the last question, do you realistically think, with what the Yankees have left, do you think they will make a wild card spot? No, I don't think they will now. I think they blew their opportunity. They've lost this, these last two weeks, and they blew it. Um, they can, you know, they'll keep hanging around here like like they will, but um, they lost too many games to teams that they should have beat. And they didn't have the luxury of, of a good start 
um, this season. They they gave up too many games early, so you could they when they couldn't afford to do that late. And you watched the other teams make uh, the right kind of moves for themselves at the at the trade deadline, or when they got their healthy pieces back, like when Toronto get, got George Springer back, when um, and then they, those guys just matured, and Vlad Guerrero turned into just a beast. Um, he went from demigod to god. Uh, it's just the Yankees don't have that kind of guy. And even with all the talent that Aaron Judge has, even with all the talent that that Stanton has, all this stuff, do you feel like Aaron Judge is, an, is, is a ball player who, who is going to be the heart of your franchise? I don't know if he moves it that way because he's not there enough. He's missed so many games. You know, we talk, like this is only his second thirty home run season in his career. Yeah, it's also his, it's also his second healthy season. I mean, yeah. if if him and Giancarlo are gonna play like this, where they can play a hundred and twenty to a hundred and thirty five games, and 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 you could obviously tell G, he's not lifting as much as he was, which is why I think he hasn't really hit the shelf too much, and that's super important. To me, that's the most important thing. So it, that contract ends up looking good. I don't want the Yankees give, to give Aaron Judge seven years. I think they're going to do it. I don't want that. I, I would prefer four to five. But I'm also okay with letting him walk. I yeah, don't, do. I don't I'm, think I'm, he's that guy. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the Yankees. Like, there's a, there's a, there's a, there comes a certain point, and we've seen it in this franchise's history before. Um when it got bad, it's because they kept chasing wins. When it got bad, they were they kept bankrupting the system, the farm system. They were giving giving money out like it was water, and and they didn't win. And that was the end of the old dynasty. You know, when they started reaching for Alex Rodriguez, and all of a sudden start giving guys these contracts, trying to get star names. When the core, that's it again. The best teams that they had, the team that broke the American League wins record. That was a, a ball club. You know what I'm saying? Tino Martinez at first. Tino, you know, it was a it was a good ball player. Not a Hall of Famer. Scott Brochus was my favorite. I love Scott Brochus. Dude hit two twenty. You know what I'm saying? Like outside of Bernie, Jeter, Posada in the field and Paul O'Neill, who was a good another good, very good player, but a baseball player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A guy you could count on to do all the baseball stuff. That's what the Yankees were, were great. This team doesn't feel like that. You don't feel like that team. Like, that's not it. You go to the 70s, you talk about the Bronx Zoo Yankees. That was a team that will whoop your ass. That was you know a badass team, man. Go, This team does not feel badass. And that little shit that they did with the Mets, that felt corny and weak because the Yankees used to look down on the Mets. You don't fuck with me. Like, you don't even care what the Mets are doing. They're barely over 500. You don't sweat the Mets. Now you in there talking smack with Lindor? Get out of there with that. You had your chance when you could have been beating the shit out of them, but you've been losing all these games. That's the talk. The talk isn't winning in New York. Winning. And the Yankees aren't doing enough of it. And before you go, tell the people about Crunch Time. Yeah, Crunch Time, um, Monday through Friday, is 4 to 6 p.m. Central on 103.7 The Game. You can check it out on... Um, uh, you can get the app uh, for the one three seven game, or you can uh, listen to it at one three seven game dot com. Um, and Hard to Paint is starting to come back out. I put my first new one for the season, and um, we're revamping Hard to Paint, so that'll still be there as well. 
And uh, it looks like I'll also be uh, doing some more Tulane basketball this fall. So um, I'll be around. Awesome, David. Always, always a pleasure talking sports with you. We can do it forever. And uh, most importantly, hope you and your family continue to stay safe. And we always look forward to talking to you, man. Yeah, it's always a blast, guys. I enjoy it. So thank you. Uh, anytime you have me, I, I, I enjoy being with y'all. Thanks, Take brother. Take care, man. All right, y'all. Have a good one.